Now, I was just, Jonathan and I were talking about the fact that we had a conversation earlier, and I pulled out Pastor Barclay's I Predict 2021, and one of his I Predicts was, even though COVID will be dethroned, there will be other things that will come along that will still be we're in, we're in difficult times. That's why we're on a journey, a series of being prepared for the Lord's coming. And although, yes, is there a, is there a sickness called coronavirus? Yes, there is. Is it is it dangerous and and has it uh, you know taken lives? Yes, yes, it has. Of course, we know that. But I believe, and I said to Joni, I, th- I said the fact that this is beginning to go away, masks are beginning to go away. This is beginning to go away. That's beginning to go away. Is not because of some political thing. It's not because there's now herd vaccination. I want somebody should rejoice because I believe COVID has been dethroned. Amen. Is there a residual of it here? Sure, we're still going to experience, but it's no longer running everything. Amen. And so I don't know about you, but I plan on going forward as though COVID and that demonic spirit it is dethroned no longer sits on the throne of the church. Amen. We're not going to bow to it in any way, shape, or manner. Are we still going to be cautious and careful and do the things we need to do to be healthy? Well, of course, that would be stupid not to. All you parents who teach your kids not to say the word stupid, I'm sorry. It is in the dictionary. Anyway, but to be culturally correct, maybe. No, no, we don't do that here. Okay. I'm still on a journey to preparing you and me for the Lord's return. And I cannot foresee at this time the Lord taking me off of that path. I will move when he says move to a different path. Because what he showed me is that just about everything that I can teach from the Bible or that we can learn from the Bible has an element of preparing us for the Lord's return. This isn't just about a study of end times or an exposition of revelation. In fact, tonight, we're going to go to the psalm, Psalm chapter 34, and we're going to learn something from the psalmist David that I believe is critical, crucial information for us being ready for the Lord's return. All of you online, stay with us. Do not scroll away from this. Don't, don't, don't leave this moment. Well, I'll listen to it later on because it's recorded. Listen, there are times when the water is stirred and the anointing is flowing for a specific purpose and a specific healing and even for a specific revelation. It's one of the reasons we gather together in church. The psalmist David, what a great character of the Bible because he's one of those people that can teach us so many life lessons, because in many respects, we find ourselves relating to him, because he wasn't perfect, and neither am I, and well, newsflash, neither are you. Uh, His story not only teaches us things that we shouldn't do, and we should learn from this man of all men this great example in the Bible, um, how to live a life hungry for God. Because one of the things about David was not only was he, like the rest of us, imperfect, 
prone to fall to our own desires. He also had one of the most beautiful and was one of the greatest examples of a person who had a, a honest, genuine relationship with God. It was real in every respect. We all should strive to meet up to that kind of standard that David had about his relationship with Father God. He was always hungry for more of God. Even when humanity was overtaking his steps, he was always hungry for God. David, I think, kind of reminds us that we're all human. And, uh, you know, we're not holier than thou, and we're not perfect. We're going to have times of failure. Can I get a witness from anybody? And we're going to have times of victory. Can I get a praise from anybody? We're all going to experience those things as long as we are here on planet Earth and in this Earth suit and with this, I don't want to say unrenewed mind, but a mind still being renewed, which means it has areas that are still unrenewed. All right? Um, we can learn so much from David. Um, he fell short in his walk with God, just like we do. We all do. Some may have fallen short in your walk with God even today. Uh, it could happen. For a lot of folks, it's the ongoing joke that a lot of people fall short of their way with God on the way to church. Tonight we're going to look at one of David's psalms, Psalm 34. And really Psalm 34 is a devotional psalm that both encourages us and lifts us up. But it's also very straightforward. I want to cover two specific points that I believe are crucial to being prepared for the Lord's return that I have found just in the first three verses of Psalm 34. You all know me. We won't get past the first three verses of Psalm 34 tonight. Um, the two points that I want to get to is uh, choosing to praise God, making a choice to praise God, and the other one is the importance of being together. I believe the Lord gave us this specific night together, which was an unplanned night to kind of kickstart, prime the pump, if you will, for what's going to happen on Sunday Amen. when we all come together again. Praise God. So if you will, please turn with me to the 34th Psalm, and I want to read verses 1 through 3. I Amen. I love the word too. Praise God. Again, I only want to share with you two points, but we're going to spend our time together. Let me take a look at time, just, oh, 726. We've got plenty of time. Verse 1, Psalm 34. I think it's interesting that one of the subtitles under the, the Lord, a provider and a deliverer, is this, this is a Psalm of David when he feigned madness before Abimelech. If you look at the history of that, you'll, you'll find it, I believe, over in Samuel, maybe, somewhere in that area, where the story where David feigned being literally insane, foamed at the mouth and all other kinds of things to save his own life. I kind of find it a little bit interesting that he's able to come up with these words with that mindset. 
Not that he was mad, but he was in such a place of trouble at that moment and knew that he needed to do something tricky, there's humanity, in order to survive the situation. He feigned, he, he faked being a madman. In fact, I think it was Abimelech said, we got to get this guy out of here because he is mad. And I don't mean angry. He was nuts. So I, I, it's just a weird juxtaposition to me that these words are penned by David in that storyline. That just blows my mind. So here we go. Verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I want us to take a look at the first point, and the first point is that we have to choose to praise God. We have to make a choice to praise God. Uh, look at Psalm 34, verse 1, and I think I have, have it highlighted on the screen. There's two things that are pertinent here. He said, I will. That's a declaration. He said, I will bless the Lord, and not just when things are going good. I will bless the Lord at all times. Now, let me help you with something, beloved. That's not the average Christian right there. In fact, when we're facing hardship, we sort of maybe kind of grab ourselves by the ear and lean ourselves into the presence of God, or we find ourselves with something else continually coming out of our mouth, and it isn't praises to God. So here what we see is very important. I want you to note that David is making a declaration here. He's not supposing something happened. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Now, once again, think about the state of mind that he was in and in the situation that he was in when he said, I will. I don't care what's happening. I'm gonna. I've made my mind up. Doesn't matter what's happening around me. I will bless the Lord at all times. It's important. I will at all times. Okay, and I'm not here, I'm not anyone's fruit inspector because I got my own mouth to deal with. Huh? I got, the Holy Spirit has a full-time job working on Rick Lopez, let me just say. All right? And I have a full-time job working on the rest of y'all. So anyway. <laughs> you know, he didn't say that he would rejoice and praise God in the good times only. He, he didn't do that. He said, no, I, I, he said he would bless, he would praise, he would make a choice to rejoice at all times. Keep in mind that this is a story when David had to pretend to be a madman just to save his life. David is declaring that even in the bad times, even when things are bad, even in the darkest moments, even when it seems like you're all alone, even when it seems like all of life is completely against me, he's saying, I declare, I proclaim, I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to proclaim praises to God. No matter what the devil throws at me, he says, I'm going to praise God. No matter what the doctors may say or what the bank account may show, he's saying, I am going to praise God. I will Bless the Lord. That's about making a choice, making a decision that no matter what's going on in your life, 
you're going to praise God. And he goes on to say, and by the way, that praise is going to be a continuation of what comes out of my mouth. We all need an adjustment right there, don't we? We all need a checkup from the neck up about the stuff that's coming out of our mouth, even in the bad moments. David made up his mind. You and I need to make up our minds that we're going to praise God, and that would, be the, that would continually be the sound coming out of our mouth. Now, maybe that's different from each of us. We all don't have David's language. It don't have to be Pentecostal language. It just has to be a language coming from your personal relationship with Christ to where you are so trusting of him and his ability to take care of you that you say, it doesn't matter what's going on. What you're going to hear from my mouth is praises to my King of Kings and my Lord of Lords. It doesn't matter what the doctor's report has been. I can tell you what you're going to hear from my mouth is I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to bless the Lord. It doesn't matter, as I said, if you've lost your last penny. What should be coming out of your mouth should be praises to the King of Kings. It doesn't matter that if your situation was so bad that you had to feign idiocy and madness to rescue yourself from that situation, that you would be able to say, I'm going to praise God. Thank you all for your enthusiastic grunt. I appreciate that. I'm saying some amen worthy things. You don't have to amen, but how about you amen the word? Don't amen me. Amen the word. Praise God. We need to make our minds up. And let me ask, what's coming out of your mouth? That's a question you should ask yourself. Some of you right now can answer that question, and it probably isn't the answer you'd like it for it to be. What's coming out of your mouth? For David says, he declares, I will bless the Lord at all times, and praise shall be the continuous noise of my mouth. We need to make up our minds that no matter what comes, we'll soldier our thinking, we'll guard our thinking, and we'll marshal our mouth. We will determine to keep a watch over the things that we say. Can I help you with something, brothers and sisters, beloved? That, did, that does not happen just because you're a Christian. That happens because you make a choice to rejoice, not a choice to complain. You have a choice to praise. You and I have that free will ability. God gave us that free will to make a decision about what we say. We, when you speak negatively in regard to a negative situation, you are choosing to do so. Something didn't take over your mouth and say things that you, oh, I can't believe I said that. No, no, no. You consciously chose to do so. Therefore, it only stands to reason that if you can consciously choose to say negative things in negative situations, and a lot of people will say negative things even in positive situations, you all met those kind of folks, right? Then you can make a decision, a conscious choice to say positive things even in negative situations. And we've all been there. Bought the t-shirt, I got the cup and the hat, y'all. And a lifetime passes to go back to that concert if I want. But I choose not to. I will bless the Lord at all times, and praise shall continually be the noise of my mouth. 
Amen? David didn't say, I'm going to praise the Lord when I feel like it, but I don't feel like it right now. No, he didn't say that. He said he was going to bless, he was going to praise, he was going to rejoice at all times. I think every one of us in this room, because none of us are perfect, could use a little adjustment right now. Okay? I got this garage door opener at my house that's been testing the words of my mouth. Yeah, because it broke, and it, you know, we had to get it fixed before we could sell the house. And I took that. I mean, I'm a preacher, y'all, not a mechanic. But I took that thing down, and I took it apart, and I put new gears in it, and the whole time wondering if any of it was right. Hung that thing back up, which was an effort and a half. A professional could have done it and never got a lick of grease on them. I, was, I had grease on me from elbows down, probably all over my face. Because any of y'all who know me, that when I get frustrated, the first thing I start doing is rubbing my head. <laughs> right? And so I got it all hooked up. And I'm talking about the fact that we all need a little, little adjustments in our life. Diane can tell you, I do have my moments of frustration, but whatever, I, move, I always have a kind of a tendency to move past that to have a positive outlook on things. Sometimes it takes effort. I will. I choose. I'm deliberate about that. I got that thing all hooked up, and I was so happy. Problem was, I couldn't get the remote to sync with it, so I had to climb down off the ladder to go across the room and push the button. And I was so happy that when I pushed the button, that chain moved and that carriage moved and it went all the way around and it missed the garage door. It came all the way back and stuck at the opener. Right there, stuck. So I hit the button again and it just went, mm, nothing moving, nothing nowhere. I can just say, there could have been a whole lot of other things coming out of my mouth. But they didn't. Praise God. Amen. Amen. This was so hard on me, I had to go to bed the night before last and say, God, I need you to give me a dream tonight or wisdom or something on how to fix this. And uh, I, couldn't find out, I couldn't find anything online anywhere about how to fix it because every time I went to anything, uh, it, it would come back to adjusting the chain. And I'm thinking, I know how to adjust the chain. I just can't get it synchronized with that opener. And then uh, I did something else online, I don't even remember what, and they, they used this phrase, what to do. This was the day after I prayed, the morning after I prayed. First thing I looked at online, and I had, I'm a Google, I am a Google master. I can Google anything, anytime. First thing I looked at that next morning, it says what to do. Here, here's the answer to my Google phrase. What to do with an out-of-phase chain on a garage door. I went, that's the phrase. That's what it is right there. But guess what it's going to take? Some adjustments. And if the minor adjustments don't work, they gave me plans for some major adjustments. I said that, I shared that story with you that sometimes it's difficult and you may need some major <laughs> adjustments. None of us are perfect and none of us have the right stuff coming out of our mind all the time or out of our mouth all the time, right? And we can, but we can make a choice. 
We can make a choice. I have a power statement that I want to, I think they're going to put up there, is if you want to experience victory in your life, you're going to have to rise above your feelings and make a choice to rejoice. I can tell you right now, I had to work at rising above my natural feelings over that garage door opener. Okay? So when I stand up here and share stuff with you, it's probably because... I'm living it right now. Right? Praise God. Psalm 34, verse 1, in the Voice Bible, not from the Voice TV show, but the Voice Bible, I will praise the Lord in every moment through every situation. Whenever I speak, my words will always praise Him. Boy, wouldn't it be nice if we could get ourselves adjusted, the gears, the synchronization, the, the adjustment that's necessary when we're out of phase, out of alignment. Make a choice to rejoice. Make a choice to praise God. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Always. And I have found that one of the best times to rejoice is when you have to make a choice to rejoice. Because everything else is saying, Oh, come on, old Rick. Show up and tell this thing off. Hey, I didn't want to tell it off. I wanted to get a sledgehammer and beat the you-know-what out of it. <laughs> he said, you know what? Get over it, y'all. So point number one is we have to make a choice to worship. We have to make a choice to rejoice. We have to make a decision. We have to make our minds up. I, the psalmist David, remember, he's in a bad, he's having a bad hair day that day. His life was in such desperation that he had to fake being a madman, even foaming at the mouth and acting like a total crazy man to save his life. And yet he was able to say those words. I don't know about you, but that, that blows my hair back. And that's a feat. All right, point number two. It's important to be together. Amen. Thank you. Because you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being together here. I'm not talking about being together in someone's backyard having a cookout. That's great. But what's important is being together here. Hear me, beloved. And please do not think that what I'm about to say and the things that I'm about to say come from a place of angst or error, anger. Not at all. No, no, no. I had my angst and my anger with the door opener. I'm all cleared up. But you need to hear these words that I believe are words that come from the Lord about the necessity, the need to come together in the house of God. Psalm chapter 34, verse 3. Look at these words. Verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Now, probably more so than any other time, I believe that people are finding it far too comfortable to stay home, to just watch church on their device, or to watch church on their TV to stay apart, to, to isolate, to not come back to church. 
2020 programmed that into societal thinking. And it programmed that, and that programming infiltrated the church as well, the psyche of the church to say, we're doing just fine without coming together to the house of God. So we're just going to do it at home. I can share with you right now that that is not God's plan for you. I believe that we are potentially at a tipping point. I heard my wife say to me the other evening that she's concerned Although she knew, as we all knew, that this time that we had to take off because of the outbreak of COVID that we had was the right thing for our church to do. We never had a question about whether it was the right thing to do. She said, I'm concerned that this, this second time that we've had to do it is going to put people in a position where they're no longer going to need the church. And I have to agree with her in that I believe we're at a tipping point. I don't believe we're there yet, but I believe we're at a place as I said earlier, we have a free will. We have the capability to choose for ourselves. 2020 and the recent surge of sickness is causing some people to burrow even deeper into isolation, into separation. And, I, and let me just say this with all my heart and with all the love in my heart. I absolutely do not believe that that is God's will and God's plan for your life. Those of you who might say, well, this is what God wants us to do right now, I, I, I'm not so sure about that. I'm not going to say you can't hear from God, but that's not what the Bible teaches us. Watched a show um, last night, uh, it, I can't remember, remember the name of it right now, it was with uh, George Clooney and Leatherheads, yes, uh, about a football team. Well, one of these guys that was a big superstar, came back from the war as a hero. And he was getting accolade and acclaim from, from everybody. And uh, there was one other soldier who came and said, he's lying, he's not, this is not what happened. I was with him, and he did not do the things that he's saying to do. Well, at one point in the storyline, this hero began to reminisce on what happened that day. And he was in a foxhole with his buddies, and he fell asleep. He was all muddy, and he fell asleep in the foxhole. And the rest of his troop hightailed it. They retreated. And uh, he never found out they retreated. He didn't even know things had changed until the Germans came and took over the foxhole. And he stood up and he realized those were Germans' hats. And they had already taught him that if you, know, if you want the Germans to just, just say these words, which was, I surrender, otherwise they'll shoot you, right? And so he thought he was still with his buddies. And so he raises his hands up in the air and says the words. And all these Germans turned around and then they raised their hands up in there and said all these words too. And then here come his buddies and captured all those soldiers. And then they, this cat took all the credit. My point in telling you that was, and I learned this from this situation. Soldiers do not hide out in the foxhole perpetually. Sooner or later, those soldiers have to come out, either in retreat or to meet the enemy head on. Soldiers who remain in the foxhole eventually lift their hands up and surrender to the enemy. That came from a movie last night. 
And you know, I believe that if, if there's any military guys here who have had to go through a war and have been in the foxhole, they know that that's actually true. I know that that's true. And I believe that that's true for many Christians as well. You are not intended to stay in the foxhole perpetually. You're going to have to come out of the foxhole, either in retreat or, and I pray, and hopefully you're a soldier of the cross, you'll do it in terms of saying, I'm going to take the offensive and I'm going on the, the offense of this and I'm going to go meet the enemy face to face. But if you stay stuck in the foxhole, you're going to be more prone to throw your hands up in the air and say, oh, what the what? Forget it anyway. Psalm 34, verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord, and these are highlighted, I believe, on the screen, with me, and let us exalt his name together. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. And you're going to hear this verse a few times this evening. Uh, it, from the New Living Translation, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good works, friends. That's, that's togetherness right there. Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And remember I said this is all about preparing for the Lord's coming and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In these days, we need to be together in church a lot faster than we need to be isolated in our foxholes that we call homes and living rooms. Yeah, don't dare look at the camera because you guys are the ones that are here. <laughs> Praise God. Ooh, that might have been a jab. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know. No, I actually am not sorry, but I don't mean to be mean. That's really not my heart and my intent. There's going to be some that are going to be upset with me tonight because they've made, they haven't been back to church. Some people have not been back to this church since this thing hit in early March 2020. It breaks my heart. I am grateful. I am so thankful for our ability to do live stream services. I am so thankful for that. I thank God for the technology to do so. And should there ever again be another surge or rise of sickness that begins to take the people of this house out, I will once again do the right thing for the sake of the body of Christ. Amen? But we will come back as soon as we can come back and get back together. We're not going to stay in the foxhole. Yeah, sometimes we got to get down there for preservation and protection, but we got to get our, our guns ready and our, our swords ready and come up out of that foxhole, coming at the enemy's face, saying, No, you're not taking this stuff from me. Amen? Well, <laughs> I'm feeling a little punchy now. Um, well, we're doing just fine in our living room. We're having church. We're watching. And I know that where two or three are gathered together, the Lord says that I will be there, but God never intended the two or three to be me, myself, and I. Huh. Nowhere does the Bible teach us that it's okay to not be in physical fellowship with other believers. You will not find that in this word, the Bible. It's okay 
You don't have to connect together with other believers. It's okay. You don't have to be a part of any church system. It's okay. You don't need that. You can survive this whole thing, just you, yourself, and you. The pronouns didn't work correct that time. It's not okay to not be in fellowship with other people of like faith, seeking the Lord together. Something happens in that setting that will not happen. It just will not happen in your living room playing games and doing Facebook while the church is going on. It, it won't happen. You can convince yourself, like Jonathan preached a few weeks ago, that it's just the beat. It's not the words of the music. I'm just into the beat. Or I don't even listen to the words. It's just the music. That's what's cool. I dig the guitar. Guess what, y'all? Guess what, y'all? For those of you who have a problem with what I just did, guess what, y'all? <laughs> that didn't point that time. We need each other. We are not designed, it is not God's plan for us to do this separated. It's not okay to not be in fellowship with other people of like faith, worshiping together, seeking the Lord together. Far too many people are no longer coming together as a community of believers to bless the Lord, to serve each other, that's what happens, and to use our gifts together to lift each other up and to help each other. That can't happen from your living room. Now, maybe if life group's going on and you've got a group of people there, but a lot of people are just staying home. And I get it, I get it, I understand. It's more convenient. I don't have to go out. I can sit right here. I can eat my ham sandwich. I can play on my phone. I can do all these things. I can talk with the wife, but it's still on, so I attended. But you're missing so much value in not being here. Well, pastor, you're the one that closed us down for a month, and I did the right thing for the protection of the body of Christ. Right? And praise God, we didn't miss a lick in going and continuing our services, and so many, there are times when we have to get in the foxhole, but we're not intended to stay there. I wish somebody would give the Lord a praise because I'm speaking the truth. Let me help you with something. All the New Testament epistles, the letters in the New Testament, I shouldn't say all of them because there were some that were written to individuals, but the great majority of them, especially the epistles of Paul, were not written to individuals. They were written to groups of people. I just said a minute ago, you're not going to find them in the Bible anywhere where it's okay to not assemble together. Romans, to all who are in Rome, called to be saints, 1st 2nd Corinthians, to all the church of God who is at Corinth, Galatians, to the churches of Galatia, Ephesians, to the saints who are in Ephesus, Philippians, to all the saints who are in Philippi, Colossians, to the saints of Christ who are in Colossae, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, to the church of the Thessalonians, Jesus, in his letters in Revelation, to the church in Ephesus, the church in Smyrna, the church in Pergamum, the church in Thyatira, the church in Sardis, the church in Philadelphia, and the church in Laodicea. The words of the Bible 
are written predominantly to groups of people. God calls us as a community. Romans chapter 12, verse 5 says, So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We are to be connected together. Brothers and sisters, I say this with all my heart. Beloved, when you are missing, we are missing the part of the body that you bring. Separated, we are incomplete. Together, we are whole. Now I'm going to give you another power statement. God's plan is in isolation. His plan isn't the foxhole. His grand design is community. His grand design is togetherness. His grand design is assembling, Jonathan. It is important that we come together. It's various different parts of the body coming together that makes us complete. And we're incomplete without the rest of the body. I made this statement a minute ago, but this is now for uh, Chris for the screen, the power statement. Separate, we are individually incomplete. I am personally incomplete without you. As a believer, as a part of the body of Christ, I am incomplete without you. But I find my completion, yes, in Christ, of course, but as the body of Christ, we need each other. The psalmist David, who wrote our text tonight in Psalm 34, also wrote in Psalm 122, uh, verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Now, I know there's some of y'all that, are, that are, aren't here tonight because you got jobs and you got work and you got things that you got to... I get that. I know that. I'm not, I'm not trying to bully or browbeat anybody. I'm not trying to use a bully pulpit here. I'm speaking to those who have decided I'm no longer going to go out of my house to go connect with God. Now, I'm not saying you have to... You can't connect with God in your house. Of course you can. But that's not the design for God. He did not create man to be alone. He created us to need each other, Michael. We need each other, Linda. We, we can't make this Christian journey completely without the wheels wobbling if we don't have all the pieces, parts together. Even in David's failures, he had an extraordinary relationship with God. We know that's true. God called David a man after God's own heart. I'd love to have him say that about me. Would you love to have him say that about you? Wouldn't we? David had a passion for God. But his relationship with God was not something that was just individual and alone. David walked out his faith in God with other people who had the same journey going on. Beloved, that's the same that's true for you and me. Remembers. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You see, every lesson is about preparing us for the Lord's return. And you need to know that I am not admonishing and encouraging and exhorting you to come to church because I have a, an attendance quota. We do not have an attendance quota here. 
I'm not admonishing, encouraging, and exhorting you to come because somehow I feel better and have reached a certain measure of success if there's this number of people in the house. That is not it at all. We need to be ready for the Lord's return, and that has been one of my fundamental goals and the mandate on my life since the beginning of 2020. We need to be ready. We need to get ready. We need to stay ready. And you're going to need each other to do that. We are going to need one another to do that successfully and long term. Because folks, if you're going to hide away in your foxholes over a killer flu, I get it. I'm not denigrating that flu. I'm not denigrating that virus. All right? Diane and I had it. We lost, we lost loved ones to it. You lost your husband to it. Other peoples have lost many to it. We don't consider it a fake thing. <clears throat> but consider this, beloved, worse things are coming. Worse things are coming. And if that has caused you to get in your foxhole and stay there, what's the next thing going to do? So yeah, I have a mandate of love on my life, and maybe a part of it's tough love. And you all are here. I'm not, I'm, you all know that what you're, what you're able to do being here tonight and many of you online as well is to say, amen, pastor. We agree with you. Amen, pastor. But there are many who are potentially watching tonight or will watch later in the week are going, I can, man, he's just made me feel all bad. No, it ain't me. I should come to an end. No, I shouldn't say it like that. This message should come to an end. Subtract that. Take that away. Somebody out there going, we'll, we'll make his wishes come true. <laughs> no. And I know that there's so many that are rejoicing that we get to come back together Sunday and tonight. It felt so different coming back together tonight than it even did on June 6th of 2020. It just felt like, I, just, I think I said to everyone I could say to, welcome home. Welcome home. Because that's what family does. I missed you. Not just personally, but spiritually. I needed you. You needed me. And we needed each other. Are you all hearing me, folks? I implore you <coughs> to come out from hibernation. I beseech you to come out from isolation. With all my heart, I ask you to come together and assemble here with us on Wednesday nights and Sundays. I have proven over the course of these 18 months nearly now that I will do my utmost to keep you safe and to keep you healthy and try to make hard decisions, right decisions for you and for your health. And if you don't trust me, at least would you trust God and come on out of the foxhole, not in retreat, but together. We will climb the hill of victory and we will raise the flag of victory as we win battle after battle and battle. And we will be there for each other to tend to each other's wounds in the battle. We'll be there to jump in the foxhole together when we have to jump in, and we will be there together to 
jump out and march on together. For all of us, in our early years of Christianity, I'm going to ask you to go back in your mental time frame and remember your early years of Christianity. Some of you are still there in this sense, and that is nothing could keep us from coming to church. Nothing. There would be nothing that would keep us. Some of you are, still have that mindset. I don't care what's going on unless pastor, if, if pastor's got the doors open, we're going to be there. But many, many of you can't remember your first love. We came together every time the doors were open, and it wasn't because we had to, it's because we couldn't wait to. It wasn't because we were made to, it's because we couldn't live without it. We needed it, we wanted it, we desired it. It didn't matter what Jonathan said. His folks, he was drug, he was a drug kid. They drug him to church on Wednesday night and Thursday music practice and Sunday morning Sunday school and Sunday afternoon go to church meal time afterwards and then church on Sunday night. And if you fell asleep in church, you're probably going to get a whooping. We don't have those rules anymore. Praise God. <laughs> there was a time in our lives, and some of you all are still there, and praise God for you, where there was no greater love. There was no greater priority. There was no greater commitment in your life. You knew that you couldn't even, you didn't even feel like you could survive Christianity without coming together. And what happened in 2020 has reprogrammed, reset our priorities in such a way that we're okay. We're okay at home. Life has changed. Society is being reset on a global level. But friends, the Lord is coming soon. All the things that are happening are absolutely signs, multiple signs, coming quicker and quicker and faster and escalating over and over again of the things that are saying the Lord is coming soon. Get out of the foxhole. Remember your early years of your first love. You got anything? Or shall I just close this in prayer? Second part? Or yes, you have something? Huh? Second part. Second part. Diane, you got anything? I thought so. Where's my microphone? Who took my microphone away from me? How dare you take that? <laughs> Come here, baby. We know this beautiful girlfriend of mine, we know uh, what it's like to go through difficult times and difficult moments and to try to navigate those times when everything wants us to do something different. But share what's on your heart for just well, a minute. Well, you know, when, we, when this latest shutdown first happened, I looked at Rick and I said, I need church. Because when times get tough, uh, this is where I need to be. And I, I, I was really sad, hurt in my soul because I couldn't be here because when times are tough, I need to be here. And, you know, at our little church up north, we all went to the altar all the time. All my heartbreaks, all my problems, were, we sprinkled the carpet, you know. And uh, I remember this lady in our church. She had been away 
for a couple of years, and then she came back, and I don't know why she had the microphone. I think she was a singer, but she stood up on the stage, and I'll never forget what she said. She said that the body of Christ without the arm is handicapped. And that's what pastor's talking about. When we're not all here, the gifts aren't all here, the encouragement, the love, that what we need from one another, what we bring to one another, it's not all here. And, and she said, the body of Christ without the arm is handicapped. And we'll survive. But the arm without the body, it's dead. That, that stuck with me, you know. And then, and then I was reminded of a story that I read not too long ago about a, a guy who uh, hadn't been in church for a while and his pastor went to his house to visit. I remember when I was a kid, the pastor used to come to our house to visit and we would hide. <laughs> My mom and dad too, they'd be down, we'd all be down, you know. And he would knock and, you know, pound on the door, pound on the door. They were trying to get my dad because the girls all went to church, but not my dad. Anyway, in the story, um, this pastor goes to visit this guy who hasn't been in church in a long, long time. And the man is, is sitting in front of a fireplace, I think. You've heard the story probably. Sitting there in front of the fireplace and the pastor sits down next to him and they look at each other and they never said a word. And then the pastor goes over and he gets some little tongs and he takes a piece of coal or a piece of wood, an ember, out of the fire and he just moves it over here. And he goes back and he sits down and they just sit there. They're not talking. And they, that coal slowly dies out. And, and then when it was just about dead... The pastor went over there and he picked that up and he took it back and put it in, back in the fire. And then the thing just burst, you know, turned orange again. And um, he got up and he went to the door and the, the, the man got up and followed him to the door. And he said, thanks for coming, Pastor. I'll be in church on Sunday. <laughs> Good word, baby. You know, <laughs> I mean, the... I, um, I, I like word pictures because if I can illustrate a point or paint a picture in your mind, you'll remember that, right? And, and that's what happens to all of us. And I'll be honest with you, Wednesday nights is hard, always been hard for me, always, for 34 years. I'm tired at 7 o'clock <laughs> and hungry usually, you know, but um, we, need, we need to be together. We need to come together in the house, and we need to be the body of Christ. And, you know, I've been an encourager for many, many years in my life, but I'll tell you what, one of the saddest things I've ever seen is when the encouragers are discouraged. Mm. And I tell you what, we've turned into a puddle on the floor. And, you know, my good friend Corey, she just, by the Spirit of God, she rescues me every time. She just comes and picks me up. And, and you know what, but if, her, if we never, ever spend any time together, I mean, if we weren't in close relationship with each other, she wouldn't maybe know. And, uh, and you know what, I couldn't encourage you and you couldn't encourage me. Hey, we need encouragement just as much as everybody else. And so, yeah, we need each other. And um, 
I think it was a good word. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Wasn't that a good word? Wow. What a great word. She just said in four and a half minutes what took me 35 to do. It's pretty awesome. So I'm going to pray with you. I want to remind you, Sunday morning comes, 10 o'clock. We're going to have church here, and we want to have church here with you, not without you. You're not going to come to make pastor happy. You're going to come so we can strengthen each other, glean from each other, and to exalt the name of Father God together. That's what it's all about. Praise God. Thank you all for being here tonight. And I'm sure that you haven't been uh, browbeaten in any way, shape, or manner. You've been just fired up and happy you came, right? Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, let me pause. Jonathan, I feel like, did he leave? He did? Wow, I missed that one. All of a sudden I stopped. I felt like Jonathan was supposed to close us in prayer. Diane, it's you. I actually had that feeling before I had Jonathan. Apparently, oh, wait a minute. Here he is. You picked the absolute wrong time to walk out, little brother. Come here, come here, come here. Diane, come on up here. Come here, both of you. I don't get to boss either one of them around very often. But, so uh, I, just was get, I was getting ready to start praying us out. And I went, and I went nope, stop. I'm supposed to have Jonathan come pray. And I looked up, <laughs> gone. I'm thinking, boy, I missed that one. <laughs> but then I said, actually, a few minutes ago, I felt the same thing about Diane. And I'd like the two of you to tag team pray us out of here tonight. And every one of us back in here on Sunday morning to bless the Lord together. God bless you. Go ahead. Either way you All want right. to start. Well, Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you, Father, that you're faithful. We thank you that you love us, that you care for us, Father, that you uh, know everything about us, Father, and you love us all the same. And Father, we just praise you and we thank you that you are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. You are all that we need and you are everything that we hope for. And so, Father, we just praise you for the, the privilege and the honor that we have to gather together, Father, as believers and to encourage one another and lift one another up. We thank you for the privilege, Father. We are privileged and honored to be able to serve one another as we serve you in this house, Father. And so we thank you for that. Father, we just pray for um, Sunday that... Uh, that the place would be full, Father, not because we desire a full house, but because you deserve uh, every chair to be filled, Father, with worshipers and, and um, your children. You've done so much for us, Father. We're so thankful for all that you do for us, all that you've given us, all that you have um, purposed for us, Father. We just praise you and we thank you for it. We pray now, Father, for these, um, uh, the last days that we're living in, Father, that all your will would be accomplished and that you would use us, your children, to, to um, bring about your will on the face of the earth, Father. So we come seeking assignments, Father. We come, Father, seeking um, fellowship and relationship with one another, 
Father, we look forward to um, getting our marching orders, Father, from you. We'll do what you say, Father, and we will not be in fear. We will um, advance, and we thank you, Father. There are so many that don't know you, that need to know you. And so, Father, we'll do your will, your way, in Jesus' name. Father, I'm reminded of the beginning of the book of Acts when your spirit was poured upon us. It says, when the people were together and in one accord. Father, as we begin to gather in oneness, we thank you that your spirit will be poured out upon us once again. Lord, the analogy of being placed back on the fire may be true in our life and in the lives of our brothers and sisters as we gather right now and this Sunday. Lord, the fire that is needed to help direct us to the missions that you have created for us in this church and the body of Christ. Lord, may it be re, um, a season of rejuvenation. May we fill our youth again, our, our youth of spirit. May we fill the unction to speak in our heavenly language. May we fill the unction to go and do Matthew 28 and go and teach people about you. May we fill that hunger once again. May we fill that fire once again, not that fire that, you know, the fire that wakes us up in the middle of the night to talk to you once again, the fire to run back to your church, to not just sit during worship, but to come into your presence and to kneel down and surrender all to you father may that hunger begin to roar may that hunger become contagious may that hunger be felt by our neighbors our bosses at our schools at our jobs in our families everywhere we go we thank you that this hunger will be louder than fear. This hunger will be louder than worry or doubt. We thank you that even in this season of rejuvenation, some may call revival, that it will be ignited right now. We declare that in the name of Jesus, that people will be reminded of their gifts, that people will be, will be reminded of the ministry of helps, that people will be reminded of the need of their city, because this is a city that God is in. You're the God of this church. You're the God of this city. You're the God of this nation. You're the God of our state, and we believe nothing else. And when you crack the sky and come back, may you find us together working for the advancement of the kingdom of heaven. If y'all believe that, somebody say amen. Hallelujah. You are dismissed. <laughs>